Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. Today's episode is brought to you by the University of Tennessee at Martin. Welcome, everybody, to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. Okay, Emily, as you know, every single week before I introduce the guests, I want to know something you have discovered this week at Discovery Park of America. As I was researching for our Earth Science Week and for National Fossil Day, which is today, the day that we're recording this, I found out that Aaron Scott, a student from the University of Tennessee at Martin, found a fossil that we have on display here and named her Kimberly after his mother. That is a very good... Uh, he he did not actually find her here. No. <laughs> find the... Yeah. It is here now, right, right? Yes. It is on display here at Discovery Park. For a second, I thought you meant he actually found the fossil here, and if so, I was going to get out there and start looking. So, <laughs> no, yeah, um, we'd it, all be out there with some shovels. <laughs> that's right. But it is Happy Fossil yes. Day, so um, it's um, it's uh, we we're planning Earth Science Week. We have a lot going on here at Discovery Park for that, so uh, very exciting. Well, today's guest is equally as exciting. Mr. Jeff Campbell is the owner-operator of The Meadows, among other things. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much, Scott. Um, pleasure to be here with you guys. So take me back to the beginning. Tell, tell me a little bit about where you were born and, and uh, what your childhood was like. All right. Um, I'll try to make this part brief. Um, so I was born and raised um, here in the Twin Cities of Fulton and South Fulton. Uh, graduated at Fulton High School. Um, went off to the University of Kentucky for a couple of years. And um, I thought I was going to be a pre-med major, but I ended up majoring in horse racing in Delta Tall Delta. Um, so the grades weren't great. So my dad uh, jerked me straight, so to speak, and uh, pulled me home and said, you will commute uh, to UT Martin. You'll live here at home. You'll attend classes. You'll finish college. And you go to Martin for one year. If you're on the dean's list, you wish to go back to Kentucky, you can do so. Well, I transferred to Martin. Um, I had 15 to 20 in an average class. I loved my professors. I loved UT Martin. So I never went back to Kentucky and graduated from the University of Tennessee at Martin in 1979. Um, Then went into a 30-year career um, as a corporate executive, uh, starting out with FedEx Corporation at their corporate headquarters, in the finance division, eventually moving over to aircraft logistics and wrapped up my 18-year career at FedEx as director of worldwide logistics for aircraft parts. Um, I was then recruited and uh, made a big um, career change and became the vice president chief sourcing officer at the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, did a, a pretty good job there for those guys for three years in that position, was promoted then to senior vice president and chief information officer, chief technology officer for the railroad reporting to the chairman. 
Uh, I did that for um, about seven years. And um, then Warren Buffett came along and decided he wanted to buy our little railroad, wrote a $34 billion check. And so at age 52, I took uh, retirement and uh, moved back, um, built my dream house and moved back home. Um, because I'm a sixth generation here of Campbell's. And so our roots are deep in Northwest Tennessee, West Kentucky. And uh, this was home to me. And I wanted to, after 30 years, return home. Um, had For uh, folks who are listening, there's people that listen from all over. Can you describe Fulton and South Fulton? Because it's a little bit confusing um, to yes. know whether you're in Tennessee or Kentucky. Yeah, Um it, it's actually, uh, I, I, I guess, in some ways, it, it's an asset. In some ways, it's a curse. Um, but for those of you who aren't familiar, we are a true Twin Cities. Um, we're a community, one community of 5,000 people. And the Kentucky-Tennessee state line goes right through the middle of town. So on one side of the state line, you have Tennessee. On the other side, you have Kentucky. And the municipalities... Uh, around it are the city of Fulton, Kentucky, and the city of South Fulton, Tennessee. And in fact, I decided to take that curse when I opened the Meadows and try to turn it into an asset. You know, around this area, we call that putting lipstick on a pig. Um, and so I built a four-ton gateway arch over State Line Road that would connect two communities, two counties, and two states. Um, and it's kind of turned into a cool place for uh, selfies and uh, and uh, uh, photos. Um, so um, so anyway, that's sort of of Fulton uh, and South Fulton, if you will, in a nutshell. And what was it like when you were growing up? When you were a little kid, what are your memories? What was the town of Fulton like then? Mayberry. Um, we never knew where the keys to the car were. I mean, we never knew where the keys to the house were because it was never locked. We always knew where the keys to the car were because they were in the car, um, slept with windows open, um, you know, knew everybody in town, everybody knew you, um, you know, that saying it takes a village to raise a child. Well, if you got in trouble anywhere in town, your parents immediately knew it. Um, so it was a special place with a lot of great memories growing up here. And you're you because you mentioned how many generations back. I'm assuming did you have grandparents and great grandparents who lived around you? Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, Scott, one of my projects, um, I, I've gotten big into philanthropy in the community, and one of my projects was building Campbell Plaza, which is um, was dedicated to my mother and father. And so it's a green space in downtown Fulton on the main street where a building had once stood. So it's now an urban green space with a 30-foot clock tower, um, a pavilion, uh, a nice place for downtown workers to eat lunch, et cetera. And uh, there are interpretive signs that um, that give the, the pedigree, if you will, of each of all six generations of Campbells in the community. So yes, my grandfather and my father owned a business here. My great-grandfather owned the business here. My great-great-grandfather and the previous two um, were all right on the edge of town, but were farmers. So you 
lived um, in Memphis and you lived in Fort Worth, which interestingly, by the way, I went to high school in Fort Worth and I'm from Memphis. So I know both those two towns pretty well. So you know, did you know for Discovery Park of America, here's a piece of uh, info you might not know. Um, do you know the, the city in um, America that has the, the highest number of mu- museums per capita in, in the world? Uh-uh. Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, that's that's interesting. I did not realize that. Uh-huh. Well, it's it's a great town and they have great Tex-Mex food as well. So Absolutely. Um so when you were in these other two towns, did you get back to visit uh Fulton often? Yeah, uh my parents and I were very close. We had one of those special relationships that they were always my parents, but over the years they became my best friends. So I loved hanging out with them as much as anybody. And, you know, in my busiest time as a corporate executive, it got harder and harder to get home. But I was always home four to six times a year. And then um, my dad passed away. And as my mom got older, um, I made it a point to try to get home more often to spend time with her. Yeah, there's just something when you've lived, when you're living in other places, there's just something about home that's impossible to replicate anywhere else. That's right. Were you involved in these other cities in community development in uh, any way? Because your your two gigs that you had professionally aren't necessarily in uh, community community development or uh, construction or anything like that. So were you involved in any other nonprofits in those other two cities? Only via checkbook, um, because you know when you are a corporate executive, and back in the day, you know I wore a pager seven by twenty four, um, and when you go to work at six in the morning and you don't get home till six at night, um, and you're working a half a day on Saturday and you go to church on Sunday, you just don't have the time to get really involved. Sadly. However, Fred Smith, who founded FedEx, as well as Matt Rose, our CEO at BNSF, were big believers in getting involved in the community. And the way we did that, you know, we were always the highest givers for United Way. I'm an Eagle Scout, and my dad was an Eagle Scout, and I've always uh, supported the scouting program. So I'm a benefactor and give um, generously to the Boy Scouts of America. Um, so while in my in, in the core of my working years, um, any involvement I had was strictly through donations. So you're as you come back and visit your parents frequently um, through the years, are you seeing uh, things in your hometown that you don't appreciate that you hope will change eventually? Absolutely. Um, Scott, it's as a lot of small, particularly Southern towns have experienced, you know, when when I grew up here and described it as Mayberry, when I retired and moved home and actually got to spend quality time at home, the people, their outlooks, their visions, their hopes and dreams and hearts hadn't changed. But the infrastructure changed dramatically we had, um, you know, neighborhoods, residential neighborhoods with empty homes and falling into disrepair. We had a downtown that had broken windows and 
um, scaling paint and not a real, to me, um, inviting community. Um, we had lost our car um, factories, our, our car parts factories. We had lost all of our clothing factories. We'd lost our shoe factory. All those were shuttered during NAFTA, um, and those jobs went away and never came back. The primary economic engine, you know, if you look at Union City, uh, it was Goodyear for years. If you look at Martin, it's the University of Tennessee at Martin. Um, and if you look at Fulton, it was the Illinois Central, now Canadian National Railroad. And the railroads had seen their glory days gone. Um, they were downsizing, trying to avoid bankruptcy, laying off workers. So the best paying, best benefit jobs uh, were being cut, 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 cut. So there was nothing to come in and infill that core middle class within the community, if you will. So when I built my home and I moved back and I realized the shape that the community was in, I immediately started going to both Fulton and South Fulton City Commission meetings and talking about what I saw. Um, and, you know, Scott, when you are implanted into an environment, you see things with a fresh pair of eyes, Right the people that had been going and coming to work for 30 years while I was gone, they didn't see that stuff anymore. It was just part of what it had become. And so, you know, I had this epiphany point where I'm like, I've either got to leave here or I can be a change agent. I can be a leader. I can be a philanthropist and I can make this community better. And so sadly, um, nine months, I'm sorry, five months, five and a half months after I moved home. I moved home in September of 08. And on February the 13th, uh, 2009, my mom passed away with esophageal cancer. So my rock, my best friend, the, my last best friend was gone. And I went for a year uh, lost, not knowing what I was going to do. Was I going to stay? Was I going to leave? Um and really lonely. And, um, you know, I just prayed about it. And um, I tried to meet each day as it came. And then all of a sudden, one day, I was downtown. I crossed where the old railroad tracks were. And I had this, for lack of a better word, epiphany of um, Campbell Plaza. So I got busy, contacted the landowner, purchased it started construction and spent, you know, $100,000 to build this monument, if you will. Uh, but it's really a testimony to the love of my family. And, um, you know, people saw that and they were like, who is this guy? And because remember, I while I was gone, two generations had grown up here. Uh, so I had to reconnect with, you know, I, I'd go around town going like, who do you belong to? You know, it was always... Um, did did people understand your vision when you first began this, no. this project? No, no, not at all. And so then um, once Campbell Plaza was completed that same year, um, I looked at the state of Kentucky because I focused first on the on the Kentucky side because that's really my home home. And then I looked at Tennessee 
and there were no grant monies available then. And I thought, well, we can either sit here and do nothing or try to do something on our own. So I, I started a new project, a campaign called Let's Paint the Town. And I had a community meeting and 200 people showed up. We raised $4,000 that night. And the, the way the program worked is building owners, I'm talking about commercial buildings downtown, would sign up for the program and they would get paint at cost from our local paint merchants and they got free labor. And myself and 30, sometimes 40, sometimes 20 volunteers would show up every Saturday morning at seven o'clock and start scraping and sanding and painting the old buildings downtown. So two years later and 32 buildings later, we had completely um, changed for the positive, the, the looks of downtown Fulton. What To what do you attribute uh, the fact that everyone got on board? Because there's a lot of rural communities, you know, who are listening, people who work, live and work in rural communities who are listening to this right now. And so I'm sure they're asking themselves, I wish that could happen in my town. To what do you attribute the success of that project? Well, I mean, you need a leader, somebody who has the time, the love, and the attention to make it happen. Somebody who can be the driver, the scheduler. Um, and I had Thea Val, who was director of our local chamber and our tourism director. And she was beside me. She said, Jeff, I don't have time to do this, but I'll be with you all the way. So she's the one that cracked the whip, that got the volunteers there every Saturday. So we would know how many we could, were there. And at six o'clock every Saturday morning, I'm in my old pickup truck at a local barn getting ladders and paint buckets and rollers and drop claws and all the supplies we needed to attack a, a, a building. And, you know, actually, it's pretty amazing. You get 40 people on a typical storefront, you can do it in a Saturday or sometimes two Saturdays. And will you say uh, her name one more time? Because I want to make sure that I heard yeah, that. Thea Val, T-H-E-A Val. And she is the director of the Twin Cities Chamber of Commerce. She also wears a second hat. She is director of the uh, Fulton Tourism Commission. So Thea and I together um, made that happen. And, uh, you know, the first building we did made the difference because people were driving by all day Saturday, looking at what was going on, being nosy. But all of a sudden, at four o'clock on that Saturday, when we finished, they see this beautifully painted, almost turn of the century looking building. And they're like, wow. And a lot of the people here that didn't have the money necessarily to donate for supplies, et cetera, you know, they would say, well, you know what? I can give four hours on a Saturday. And we were big on social media and every week we were posting for help needed at this location and people would show up. We had elderly ladies all over this community. They were like, you know what? We can't sweat and paint like that anymore. Uh, maybe I don't have the money, but I make the best damn chicken and biscuits you've ever seen. And they would bring breakfast to us every Saturday, you know, with these amazing baskets full of home cooked food. Um, so really, everybody got involved. And what I saw was the more progress we made, the apathy began to just dissolve. 
and there was a new sense of pride. And um, I, I had a, a classmate of mine um, who said, well, you're focusing on downtown. I'm going to get involved in education. And so Mr. Robbie Rudolph, who now lives in Murray, Kentucky, formed the Four Rivers Foundation. And so now we have kids at Fulton Independent, Fulton County, Hitman County, Carlisle County, Ballard County, all going to college for free. And we have kids in high school taking dual credit courses. And it's that education that breaks the cycle of poverty. And then I had another friend that focused in the residential areas, trying to get those cleaned up. And so all of a sudden, this magic began to happen. And so it, it sounds like uh, creating the opportunity for people to get involved instead of just complaining about things was really the key there. That's right. What do you feel like you've you learned? Obviously, you had a lot of experience in corporate America, uh, which was very different than, than this endeavor you set out on. What do you think you learned that would help others who are listening um, during this time when you were uh, implementing this big project? I think uh, two things. One is I think that people will always surprise you. And secondly, um, most people, not all, but most people will rise to a challenge and rise to any occasion. They just need the vision and the leadership to see it and then go after it. Do you, do you feel like you're an optimist or a pessimist? Always. You're an optimist? Always. The glass is always half full. So had you been uh, a negative going into it, you probably would have moved back to Memphis Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, you know, Scott, it's, it's interesting, but I look at my life now um, and I look back over the last, you know, gosh, it's unbelievable. I've been retired now 12 years, but these have been the best years of my life. And what I have found is the more I give back, the more blessed I am. And I would challenge anybody out there who's had a successful career, who's perhaps maybe inherited family money, um, people with means, I challenge you to give back because I believe strongly that if God has blessed you with resources more than you need, you have an obligation to give back. Here, here, and as a as somebody who 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 leads a nonprofit, I can say that we both need financial support, but also we need volunteers, cheerleaders, people who could just if if someone's listening and they have a nonprofit that they're a fan of, they should just call up and say, "Hey, look, what do you need?" What like those ladies that made chicken and biscuits? You know, there's a there's a un, unending list of of ways you can support. A nonprofit in your community. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I'm going to ask you about the next project that you uh, tackled. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the University of Tennessee at Martin. UT Martin offers more than 100 academic areas of study and 18 undergraduate degree programs. Visit utm.edu to find out more.
I hope you're enjoying the Real Foot Forward podcast from Discovery Park of America. If you are, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I'm speaking today with Jeff Campbell, who's the owner, operator um, of the Meadows, which we're getting ready to talk about. So, Jeff, I'm assuming that while you're working on all these buildings that you've got your eye on what would eventually become the Meadows. Is that correct? That's correct. Tell us about it. I will. It's really a logical, um, if you will, outcome of my community involvement. So, First, I built Campbell Plaza in memory of my parents. And then, as I described earlier in the podcast, I led an effort called Let's Paint the Town, a true community volunteer effort to restore our downtown commercial area. Um, Then um, I saw that a need in South Fulton on the Tennessee side where the city of South Fulton had no park. Um, and so I got involved and, um, and connected with an architectural firm called A2H. Um, they helped design a park for the city of South Fulton. They applied for grants. Each of the grants, though, required a 50% community match. So I stepped up and said, I'll, I'll take that match. And um, so a year later, we had a $500,000 unity park in downtown Fulton and South Fulton, which really completed our downtown. But during Let's Paint the Town, the biggest and the oldest building downtown, or one of the oldest, um, was what everybody called the Jones Auto Parts building. Uh, my mom was big in genealogy, and you know I'm a sixth-generation Campbell in the community, so I knew that Mr. Meadows had built it, and it was part of what had been the Meadows Hotel that was built around the turn of the century. Well, the owners, um, I went to three times uh, trying to let them let us paint it and get it looking good again. Uh, It had boarded up windows, broken glass, it had scaling paint, um, and they refused. And it was the most frustrating thing that I've, I've dealt with. Uh, it didn't make logical sense to me. I mean, they were given a sweetheart deal of, you know, pain and cost, free labor, but yet they refused. And um, I guess they had their own reasons. So I said, well, if you won't let me paint it, let me buy it. How much do you want for the property? I'll buy it from you. And they told me no. And so it, after a year of dealing with those people, I finally was able to procure the building which is two stories now and about 10,000 square feet. The Meadows originally was a city block long, a hundred room hotel and was 65,000 square feet. And on February the 3rd, 1933, uh, the big fire hit and burned the entire Meadows to the ground, except for this one 10,000 square foot section. And uh, so the building had a lot of history And so I finally was able to buy it and I bought it not knowing what I was going to do with it. Uh, I thought, well, it's been sitting there empty for 10 years. It's, it's really in disrepair, leaking like a sieve. And I thought, at least I can get a new roof on it, get it dried in, and then I'll figure it out. Well, once again, um, I think God intervened in my journey because I had my second epiphany which was the day I closed, which, by the way, was my birthday. 
Um, I walked over to the building. I had the keys as the new owner. I opened it up and there's a spooky dark barn of a building full of junk. And I find my way up the staircase to the second floor, which Jones Auto Parts had never used. And I get up there and there are still eight original rooms intact from the Meadows Hotel. Wallpaper still on the walls from 1933, coal burning stoves and color lamps on the walls. And I'm a history buff and I was fascinated. It's like I could feel people on February the 3rd, 1933, run away from the fire and no one ever came back. It was frozen in time. And that's when it hit me and I thought, that's it. I have got to reopen the Meadows Hotel. So that was my drive. And so I began what would become a $2 million renovation project. And we reopened uh, on November the 6th, 2017 as the Meadows Hotel. We're a historic boutique hotel. Um, with a full-service bar and restaurant. And um, I'm very proud to say that you could look far and wide and you'd have to drive many, many miles to capture the history, the elegance, and the class of the Meadows Hotel. Because as you know, Scott, you've stayed there. Each and every one of our rooms are uniquely different with different periods of furniture, different wall colors, different fabrics, different everything. Um, so the idea is that you can come to the Meadows up to 20 times and get 20 completely different experiences. I wanted to make sure that my hotel included a bar and restaurant because I felt that it was imperative that um, experienced, sophisticated travelers, if you will, would expect that kind of amenity to be able to check in and get a nice glass of wine, whatever. Uh, so I included that in the format. Now, remind you, um, for folks in Northwest Tennessee, this was before um, the Grams made a, a big investment in Union City to open three hotels. So we were prior to that. And so the first thing I did was run to Discovery Park of America and say, hey, guys, can we partner here? Um, you know, send your park guests to us. We'll send our hotel guests to you, et cetera. Uh, neighbor helping neighbor, if you will. And uh, it's worked out beautifully. And uh, in fact, we did so well that two more old buildings that were built in the 40s after the fire, right next to the Meadows adjacent, um, I was able to procure them and started another million dollar renovation project, adding more rooms, adding an event center, adding a huge kitchen, and so today the Meadows um, has 20 rooms, a presidential suite that's 850 square feet. Um, we have the Kentucky room, we call it. And when I say that, don't think basketball, don't think Tennessee, think uh, bourbon and bluegrass and the state of Commonwealth. Um, the Kentucky Event Center, and we can cater up to 100 people in, in our facility. And uh, then COVID hits. And so we had to migrate through that, which, as you know, uh, were challenging times. Um, and but we, we made it. We got through it. Um, our occupancy rate is back up. Our restaurant's doing well. And by the way, for those who are listening, uh, I'm only going to um, 
take one hit here in terms of promoting myself. You know, we've been open almost four years. And today I still have people that say, well, you can't eat there if you don't stay there, do you? And so all I'm going to tell you is the Meadows restaurant is open to everybody. And I sometimes put it like this. You can stay there and eat there. You can eat there and not stay there, or you can not stay there and eat there. So, but anyway, uh, so the Meadows was my largest project. And in all, in all openness or transparency, that one was the only project I've done for profit. And and I do think uh, one one word that you used cannot be overstated, which is the word elegant. Um, as as uh, my wife and I stayed there many many times while we were first moving here, um, it really truly is, um, you know, the nicest hotel that that you would be able to stay in, even in a large city. I mean, it's uh, uh, beautifully decorated. How uh, did you decorate it yourself, or how did, it, how, did, how did it end up looking so magnificent? Well, I can tell you, you have two ladies right there in Union City, Tennessee, that are partners and best friends, and they own Classic Interiors, and that's Sel Shanks, and that is Amy Jenkins. And those ladies are phenomenal. And um, my best friend, Paige Dennis, referred them to me. I met with them. Um, they could see my vision. They were excited about it. We collaborated beautifully. And I let those ladies go. And wow, I'm going to tell you, they did a phenomenal job. And so uh, what, what uh, direction did you give them? And how did they... Uh, deal with you? Did they show you things in advance or was it a surprise? How did that, how did that relationship work? Well, the way the relationship worked, the first time we met, I told them, I said, ladies, now look, I'm not a Hampton Inn. I'm not a Holiday Inn Express. Those are the big chains and those are my direct competitors. Um, we can't compete on size, but the only way we can compete is to be unique, to be different. And I said, so this shotgun approach is not going to work with me to pick out one series of furniture and all the rooms have it because I've been a corporate executive for 30 years, Scott. And as you well know, you can travel the world over. I can walk into any Hampton Inn and I can just about find it, sit down on the bed without turning the lights on. Cause I know where it's going to be. <clears throat> That's not true. The best. Um, so I told them, I said, ladies, I want each and every room of mine to be uniquely different. And they said, what they said, well, you do know if we don't mass order large volumes of furniture, it's going to cost you more. Painting's going to cost you more. Fabric's going to, I said, I don't care. It's what I want. And once they got on board with that, and, and I said, what's your vision for this hotel? And they're looking at a shell. And they said, well, based upon what we've researched and heard about Mr. Meadows and the fine days of railroad railroading and railroad patrons and the way they traveled and stayed, it's got to be Southern elegance. I said, that's exactly what I see. Um, and so, boom, here we go. And uh, we would sit down from time to time. They would show me pictures of, of furniture. They would show me carpet samples, hardwood samples, you know, and the list goes on. And I'd say, yes, yes, no. And off they go. And they made it happen. Um, when we did Meadows 2 and we did our addition, um, I think I surprised them because 
they came in and they're like, all right, here we go with the meadows again. I'm like, eh, not exactly. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, most of the guests at the the meadows are, um, shall we say, mature, uh, older clientele, quite frankly. Like me. Yeah. And I said, what I'm missing are those millennials and younger. And I said, so for Meadows 2, I want to surprise people and they shouldn't expect more of the same. I want them to walk in and go, oh, wow, look at this. And I said, I'm seeing open ceilings and, and exposed duct work. And they're like, oh, you want urban chic? And I said, well, if that's what you call it. And that's what we did. And it, it's been a fun, fun journey with the Meadows. Um, you know, honestly, right now, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have it. Uh, I've got a strong GM who runs the hotel. I can still travel. I can still do my own thing. But yet I can go to the bar and have, have a beer and be like Norm on Cheers. And everybody knows my name. And hang out and have a great meal. Uh, we do have excellent food and a very broad menu for a small place. Um, and it, it's just it's just turned out to be a joy of my life. Now, the, the both the hotel business and the restaurant businesses are are. If you were going to have to uh, use the word, they're risky, they're challenging, they're difficult. What resources? How did you? Because your background was clearly not in hospitality. No. Uh, how did you uh, know how to run these businesses? Well, um, I was a finance major. Um, my undergraduate at UT Martin was a degree in accounting. Um, so I knew numbers backwards and forwards. So before I did anything, I built a pro forma income statement and I made assumptions of revenue and then built a revenue plan. Then I pulled as many direct expenses as I felt I could. And the ones I didn't know, um, like I would go to the city and say, do you have a facility in town that has gas and water that's 10,000 square feet? Well, yeah, we do. Well, what do what their bills run on average? And I built the expense plan. And then I started looking at how many employees do I have to have and what positions and what that uh, rate of pay might be. And so I built a complete profit and loss statement pro forma based upon my assumptions. And being in corporate America for 30 years, I know you always build an, uh, an aggressive plan, meaning you understate what you think your revenues are going to be and you overstate what your expenses are going to be to, to create a worst case scenario. And when I looked at that worst case scenario, I knew what it was. On the hotel side, I had to, on average, out of 14 rooms, I had to have six a night rented, okay, on average. And on the restaurant side, I knew to be profitable. I knew what my dollar amount per week in sales had to be to contribute, if you will, to the overall profitability. And those numbers look very doable to me. And I had some of my best friends that said, Jeff, you've lost your mind. Who do you think is going to stay in Fulton and South Fulton? Well, we've been sending hotel guests to Martin and Union City for years. And I'm like, you know what? I I can't tell you right now, but I'll tell you this. If I cannot average six room nights, I need to take my butt back up on that hill and sit myself at home and go into full-time retirement because I'm up for this challenge. 
Well, the best thing I ever did was I hired a general manager six months before we opened and she spent six months knocking on doors. And we knocked on every company of every size in Union City and Martin and Fulton. And before we opened, we had a list of corporate clients that were going to be our core guest stays and our core revenue. And boom, we started from there. And, you know, we had our tough slide, but I could begin to see the growth after a year. And then year two got better. Year three got even better. Um, and so we have made it. I don't know if you call me a visionary or a fool. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little of both, maybe. Yeah. So when I'm, I'm curious to, to backtrack just a bit. When you went up in the second floor for the first time and you saw, you know, the rooms and, and uh, started developing your vision, was there anything salvageable up there that you were able to reincorporate into the design uh, today? Absolutely. Uh, you see all over the meadows, most people don't don't recognize or see it. But I don't know if you noticed it, Scott, or if you remember, but in the lobby, we have a pretty large display case. So anything of any consequence significance in terms of history that we found in the building when we cleaned it out during demolition, we saved. And all that is on display uh, in our lobby. The second thing I did was I went to the local library and I found this treasure trove of old photographs of old downtown Fulton. And so I was able to get access to those photos, scan them on my computer, send them off to a company, and they were digitized and put on canvas. And you'll see canvas um, artwork all over our hotel, depicting the golden era of the railroad town, if you will, uh, which just adds charm. It adds, plus it helps with acoustics. Um, and so, um, um, we found, well, um, they were demoing out some flooring and under a rat, under the floor joist, they found sections of the, uh, original meadows flooring, which was marble honeycomb shape. So our lobby today is black and white honeycomb. It, it was inspired by the original form. Couldn't afford marble these days. It's porcelain, but um, all of my storefront windows uh, were completely rebuilt back to the original. Um, nothing is aluminum. Nothing was precast. Nothing was pre-bought. Um, Cersei Contractors from Union City and Mr. Marty Bell, who was my job superintendent, he was an incredible craftsman. Uh, took cypress wood and hand built and rebuilt all of my storefront windows. And the, uh, the lobby is reminiscent. I mean, it's, it's very classy and elegant, but it's also reminiscent of a town. I always think about like the shady rest on yeah. Petticoat Junction. You know, it has that that fun uh, throwback feeling uh, to to another time. Exactly. Exactly. What do you? What do you? Where, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you first started these big projects? What I wish I had known. Well, I've certainly made mistakes. We all do. Uh, I've been able to migrate through those. Um, gosh, Scott, that's a good question. What uh, about uh, your restaurant? Are there things on the menu now that you've added or things you've taken away after you've had these years of, of running a restaurant? All right. Yes. So that is probably the single biggest mistake I made. Um, 
I really wasn't wanting to get in the restaurant business, but I was hell-bent to have a bar. Well, what I quickly found out is in the state of Kentucky, to serve liquor by the drink, you have to serve food. So that forced me into the restaurant business. So we were tied on square footage. So I created this little 200-square-foot kitchen, and we weren't going to have any open flames. That saved us a lot on um, fire equipment and all this stuff. And so essentially we opened the restaurant with anything that we could do in a double oven and microwaves. And a lot of it were frozen and shipped in. Um, the, the, the restaurant opened with great fanfare and then quickly just, I mean, we paid the light bill and that was it. And we just didn't have large crowds. I wasn't happy with it. And, um, I had a really good friend of mine, Garrett Hutchins, here in town. He kept saying, Jeff, if you can't serve a grilled steak in this area, if you can't serve a hamburger in this area, um, you're not ever going to have a successful restaurant. So when we made, when I made the decision to acquire the two buildings and we started Meadows Phase 2, I made damn sure that we incorporated square footage for a new kitchen which is now 800 square feet and has every piece of equipment known to man. So if you look at today, um, our business has grown exponentially in the restaurant because our food is really good. It's made from scratch, uh, Angus beef to lobster tail, to pasta, to chops, to anything you can think of, plus burgers and sandwiches we now have. And so we have been blessed with the business that's followed. Um, and so I think really the only thing that still haunts us is this idea that people have that, well, if I don't stay at the hotel, I can't eat there. When you also have, I've been there before and there's live music. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great environment. It's a great place yeah. to, to have a steak. Um, so I think we've probably generated a lot of curiosity in people's minds. Will you send us some photographs and we'll put them in the show notes so that people can actually get a, their own uh, look at what it is that we're talking about? And if you've got any before photos, I'd love to put those on there as well. We, I do have a ton of before photos that you'll see uh, the demoed out shell of a bill. I mean, basically, it's four walls and a roof. And that was it when we finished demolition. The whole building was completely rebuilt on the inside. But I even have photos of the old Jones Auto Parts with paint buckets and, and auto parts still hanging around, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, we'll put some so, before and after photos up. I think folks would really enjoy that. The um, other thing I would throw out is um, people can go to um, themeadowshotel.com. And they can see a lot of, and read a lot of the history and see photos of our rooms and all that on our website, themeadowshotel.com. And they can book a room, right? Absolutely. We have, I, we've booked rooms, even though we live, you know, 15 minutes away now, you know, still it's a great place just to get away for, you know, uh, a weekend. So it's, 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 you know, we, we have guests, we have guests at discovery park that stay with us. Um, but um, the ones I enjoy the most really are, are people. We have, for example, two couples from Jackson, Tennessee, a couple from Paducah, Kentucky, a couple from Murray, Kentucky. They come once a month and, and they book one night and um, the grandparents keep the kids 
and it's just mom and dad and it's date night. It's a staycation night and they come and they have steaks and martinis or whatever in our restaurant. They go upstairs, they have a fun night. Um, they're, they're refreshed, they're reconnected and they go back home. And it's those kinds of things that I love to see. And, and as we've both mentioned, you know, there's a lot of great restaurants. There's a lot of great hotels around here, but if you're looking for a five-star experience, you know, I don't know anything about stars and how they get there, but I do know that, that for me, that is a five-star experience, what you're creating there. You know, I, I, I believe, um, I believe in a regional economy. I I think in the past, far too many people have looked at a community by community basis, you know, and the way I look at it, whether it's recruiting industry, whether it's creating jobs, you know, what's good for Union City is good for Fulton. What's good for Fulton is good for Martin. And what's good for Martin uh, is good for Union City. And so for those of you in the Northwest Tennessee area that maybe are not real familiar with our neighborhood, I call it the Golden Triangle. Uh, and that is Martin, Tennessee, Union, Tennessee, and Fulton, Kentucky are all in a triangle, all connected by four-lane highways. So you can leave the meadows and you can be at Discovery Park of America in 10 to 15 minutes. And we all have our, our niche. We all have a purpose to serve. You know, I would tell Discovery Park guests, if you're coming to Union City and you're a family and you're going to spend a couple of nights and you're on a budget, then you stay at Sleep In in Union City and you can walk to Discovery Park. Um, and that's fine. Uh, if you're looking for a more upscale experience and we can help you in any way, 10 miles away, 10 minutes away, then, you know, look us up at the Meadows. Uh, we all have a, a partnership with Discovery Park to play, I believe. Now, before we get out of here, there is one thing that I learned uh, when I was researching this area that still blows my mind when I think about it. What is the relationship between uh, Fulton, South Fulton, and Bananas? <laughs> oh, I'll try to make this real, real short. We do have an, <laughs> we do have an annual banana festival, uh, both communities together. And, um, you know, everybody's first reaction is, what the hell? You people don't grow bananas. And no, we don't. Um, But because Fulton was, you have to understand, Fulton geographically is midway point between Chicago and New Orleans on the old central, um, Illinois Central Railroad, and then today on the CN Railroad. So the Illinois Central invented refrigerated cars, which at the time were with ice. Um, And so suddenly this um, wonderful fruit of South America was not available in the U.S. for common consumption, became available. Uh, bananas were cut green, put on boats, brought to the city of New Orleans, um, and at the boat docks were transloaded onto refrigerated cars and headed north to Chicago. Once it got halfway to Fulton, uh, the ice was gone. And so we had the largest ice plant in the world built here. We re-iced down banana train after banana train after banana train, and then on to Chicago and the rest of the country. So at one time, our claim to fame was that 70 to 80% of all bananas consumed in the United States of America came through Fulton, Kentucky. And so back in the 60s, I believe it was 1962, the local community leaders and the merchants in downtown Fulton at the time decided that they wanted to give a go to creating a festival that would celebrate bananas to draw tourism and attract guests to the Twin Cities. 
and did that. And so this coming September, about a year from now, we'll celebrate our 60th banana festival. Wow, that's that's uh, that's big news, and there's lots of uh, banana pudding involved, which is one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, if you stay at the Meadows Hotel, you can step out the door of our bar and go to the float right in front of the Meadows, and you can get part of that one-ton banana pudding. <laughs> that's incredible. So, what's next for you? What have, what have you got coming up? Yeah, I know you're a visionary. You got to be thinking. You got to have some secret plans there that you're working on. Well, um, I sort of do. Uh, but I can't tell you or I'd have to kill you. Uh, but let's, let's, let's suffice it to say though, too, I, I'm also 65 now, Scott. And so I, you know, I am getting a little bit tired and I want, um, selfishly a little more free time for Jeff. Um, so I'm not going to tackle another Meadows hotel, but, uh, I've got two or three projects that I would like to see done before I'm, I'm done. Uh, so stay tuned. That sounds great. I can't wait to see what you've got uh, cooking. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I knew this would be interesting, um, but I could keep going for another hour. But th- thank you so much. We really appreciate you uh, talking with us a little bit. Well, and Scott, I would end with a plug for Discovery Park. As a, as an, a person who lives in the, in the immediate neighborhood, uh, I've been many times. I've taken a lot of friends over there. And for those of you who have never traveled to Northwest Tennessee and gone to Discovery Park of America, all I can tell you is you're missing out because it is a phenomenal uh, park. It is unique. It is huge. It is interesting. And it's interesting for every age group. And it's educational. And there are so many events available. So for those of you who haven't heard or haven't been there, Please put it on your calendar for this year. And to and thank you for that. And to show people how closely we work together, my first time to visit Discovery Park, the same uh, docent who ran the earthquake simulator for me while I was here, when I was at your hotel and restaurant, was my waiter when I had dinner that night. So that shows, <laughs> it was the talented Michael. So that shows you how close Michael Reeves, yes, sir. Yep. Yep, he's a good guy. So yeah. uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Oh, my, my pleasure, Scott. Have a great day. And thank you to all you listeners who have joined us today at Discovery Park of America. Our mission here is to inspire children and adults to see beyond. To plan an experience here for you and your family, visit discoveryparkofamerica.com. <laughs>